0: What to watch in October, this is Industry Focus. Welcome to Industry Focus, healthcare edition. Like it or not, October is here, so I'd say it's officially time to get in the fall mindset, start thinking about Halloween costumes, and maybe also what the month has in store for the healthcare industry. I'm Christine Hargis, and joining me to chat via Skype is healthcare contributor Todd Campbell, Todd, can you believe we're talking about October already?
1: I can't. I really can't. You know, it's a gray sky out here today in, in New England, and I'm already starting to think about my winter vacation plans. It's just not right.
0: Oh, man, you are way ahead of me. I'm still dwelling on the Thanksgiving plans and Halloween costumes bit of it.
1: What are you going to dress up as this year?
0: I have no idea. October (laughs) sprung up on me. (laughs) But I guess now that we're here, we got two things on our mind for this month. There's a Padufa date coming up at the end of the month and a shift in the way medical coding is done. We'll start with the latter since this change is going into effect tomorrow, October 1st. All healthcare providers starting tomorrow are going to have to shift from a standard of medical codes known as ICD 9 to an updated version known as ICD 10. Todd, can you give our listeners some background?
1: Sure. I think that the easiest way to explain this is just to think about it from the doctor's perspective. You know, if you're a patient and you go in and you get treatment, you get, you know, your doctor looks at you and and tells you, what you can do to improve your condition and then sends you on your way. But there's a lot of back office things that occur at the doctor's office after that visit. Included in that is figuring out how they're going to get paid for for providing that service to you. And one of the ways that they do that is through using a coding system uh, based upon whatever it was that you discussed with your doctor that day. Previously, up until tomorrow, um, the U.S. was using icd um, nine. And that was a very antiquated coding system. I mean, this has been around for almost 40 years. Yeah, it's been the and, standard
0: since 1979.
1: Yeah, getting very long in the tooth. And a lot of people will argue that it's an, an incredibly inefficient way to bill for services because, frankly, um, it was put in place prior to all of the technology that allows for, say, online billing of, a, of an insurance company or in the, or to Medicare, which obviously is, the, uh, is the, the, the granddaddy, if you will, for a lot of these providers as sources of income.
0: So meanwhile, all the other countries have been using ICD-10, which is the new version of this coding system, for more than a decade. And the U.S. is the only country in the industrialized world that's still holding out.
1: We've been absolutely dragging our feet on this, and it's much to the, to the you know, sh- uh, all these foreign countries are like, come on, pull you kicking and screaming. We want to be able to share our data and you know come up with some new, new uh, findings as a result of it. But the U.S. has been you know reticent to disrupt um, how healthcare is provided. Um, you know, obviously switching over from a system which has less than 20,000 healthcare codes. To a system that has, you know, 130 to 140,000 codes, uh, is no small feat, and it, it's a pricey and time-consuming uh, prospect. And hopefully, uh, providers have taken the initiative and gotten on top of this because, you know, over the course of the last couple of years, as as you know, deadlines were approaching to get a switched over to ICD-10, um, providers continually pushed back and said, "We need more time. We need more time."
0: Yeah, I mean this switchover was supposed to happen a long time ago. i private insurers have the insurers have signals that they're they're ready. They're like, "Okay, bring it on. You know, we want this updated version." But it's the providers themselves, the healthcare practices that are dragging their feet. And apparently last year in October 2014, it, 82% of healthcare practices said, "You know what? We're not quite ready for this. Can we have a little bit more time?" And so then an entire year was given as an extension. And so now we're finally bumping up against the state tomorrow when the switch will finally be made.
1: Yeah. I, you know, doctors are, are, you know, they're pretty time, uh, pressed for time as it is. And I think that a lot of them were looking at, listen, we want to practice our medicine. We don't necessarily want to be dealing with all of these back office nightmares that are likely to occur. The other issue, of course, is that, you know, when you switch over from something as, you know, ICD 9 was still complex, but something to something so much more complex. Um, something that hasn't, you know, it's brand new. I mean, anybody who's coding in medical offices today has been using this ICD 9 for their entire career. So it's not like they've changed uh, many times. This is just one more change. Um, there's a lot of opportunity for error. And in that error, if there is error, that could significantly derail the income stream for these practices. If if you don't code correctly, the payer can deny the claim. And if the payer denies the claim, then that means the doctor is then gonna have to provide well, jump through many more hoops to provide the information necessary to that payer. Um, that means, you know, potentially delays in, in, in receiving payment. It also means potentially never receiving payment depending on um, uh, on the certain situation so there's a lot of reasons that doctors have have basically you know put off until the last minute if you will getting things in place but you know the vast majority should be okay I mean a study that was done in the middle of September showed that only 30% were ready to go as of September 15th, but well over 80% said that they're most likely going to be ready. And more than 90% said, yeah, we'll probably be ready.
0: Yeah. I mean, the probably is is the key word there. And I, I've seen a lot of responses from different doctors and practices throwing it out there on different forums saying, you know what, We'll probably be okay, but we're not quite sure. I mean, I I saw one stat from a group of physicians physicians that was polled that said 33% of them indicated that they took out a line of credit to protect against the financial impact of potential delays.
1: Yeah, that was a standard operating procedure recommendation from a lot of the companies that have been hired as consultants to come in and help uh, practices prepare for this launch. Um, you know, essentially go out and protect your revenue stream by knowing that you can tap into money if if there are delays.
0: So as investors, what does this mean for us?
1: Well, there's a couple different takeaways. There are, you know, there could be some difficulties for hospitals, but most hospitals that are, you know, publicly traded are large institutions. They have tremendous resources. Most likely the impact on them, if any, would be pretty small. Um, instead, a much bigger impact will probably come in the form of upside to healthcare IT companies that are being, um, you know, their software is being deployed to, it, you know, make it easier to collect the revenue from, you know, the patient or the payer, if you will. Um, and also, you know, the software that they're selling and designing that's going to, you know, leverage all of this new data. I mean, think about this. Think about all of the, the opportunity. That having so many more codes may provide, you know, you'll now be able to parse that data in so many different ways, and that could be used to help design treatment outcomes, to evaluate the quality of care that's being provided, to you know better identify um, global threats of epidemics such as you know Ebola or something else occurring in the in the future. There's a lot of opportunity here for those companies that are going to be analyzing the data. So. I kind of like Cerner. It's one of the companies in that space. It's a big player, um, second largest um, in market share in many of these markets. I also like Athena Health, which has uh, a very big presence in the private practices of doctor's offices and helping them get up to speed in their healthcare IT.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the granularity of the data, and I totally agree that there's so much opportunity there. I mean, in this new catalog of codes, you've got more than 200 different codes for diabetes alone. There's more than a hundred different ones for gout. Um, I think I, I even saw that the the government's listing more than 30 different codes for industries caused by acts of terrorism. So you get really, really specific with this kind of data, and so the ability to analyze it just increases exponentially. And so I think that could be a big boost to insurers, too.
1: Absolutely. As you're able to dig deeper into this data, you should be able to find cost savings. I mean, it increases efficiency. You should be able to design treatment protocols that work more effectively, which would reduce readmissions or um, disease progression, potentially. Um, all of those things could result in cost savings for payers like insurers.
0: And so this does seem like this entire shift, even if it does cause some bumps in the road for particularly small practices in the short term, healthcare i t is still going to be big. all of these these new waves of technology are going to continue to reform the industry and probably make it even more profitable, hopefully across the board.
1: Yeah, none of us probably wanted to upgrade our Windows software, but you know anybody who's trying to run Windows three right now is probably struggling
0: exactly. So before we move on, I'd like to announce a special offer that we have for you guys today. As a loyal, industry-focused listener, you have access to a special discount on the Motley Fool's flagship stock-picking service, which is called Stock Advisor, that works out to $129 for a full two-year subscription. Now, this is a really awesome product. If you'd like to take advantage of the offer, or even just learn some more about the service, check out focus.fool.com. Again, this is just for you guys, our industry-focused listeners. It's focus.fool.com. I would highly recommend that you check it out. So... Moving on, the most important Padufa date of October is coming up at the end of the month. Todd, what's going on?
1: You know, one of the things I like to do, and I think this is helpful for all investors who are listening or watching on the program, is to, at the end of every month, you know, go online and do a little bit of due diligence and look and see what is on the calendar at the FDA, because, you know, decisions that are coming out of the FDA can have a huge impact on the direction of a stock price in the near term, and while you shouldn't be investing in the period over a period of weeks, you need to have a longer-term thesis. You can't ignore the potential impact uh, of a new drug that could potentially be coming to market. Um, looking at the calendar for this coming month, the company that I think you know, could really you know see the needle moved, if you will, uh, on an approval would be Shire. You know Shire. Um, submitted earlier this year an application for approval for a treatment um, for uh, treating dry eye disease. Um, one of the most common um, complaints of people going into eye doctors is, you know, the, the, the negative effects uh, pain aso- associated with dry eye. And they shire has a drug that it believes will do a better job than anything that's currently out there at helping to relieve the symptoms of this uh, condition. If so, Shire thinks that this drug could be worth a billion dollars a year in sales at some point. Care Um, to
0: take a stab at the pronunciation of this drug?
1: Oh, boy, Lephidograste. you know, yeah. <laughs> I always struggle because with the generic names of drugs, it's, it's either tomato or tomato. Uh, but lafitogras is, is what I'll go with today.
0: OK, we can go with that. Lafitogras.
1: Yeah, this is an intriguing drug. And, you know, one of the things the reasons that I'm so intrigued by it is that, you know, a dry eye typically occurs more frequently as you get older. And, you know, as a long-term investor, one of the trends I think investors should be focusing on is an ever-larger, older population here in America. So as baby boomers continue to get older, it's likely more and more baby boomers are going to be going to their eye doctors and complaining about this condition. If so, then demand for this drug, you know, could be strong. And if it is strong and sales are strong, then it certainly helps propel Shire toward that goal they have of uh, $10 billion, uh, in sales by 2020, which would be a, roughly a doubling from where they were when um, AbbVie was courting them uh, as part of that failed merger.
0: Right. And I, I think one of the most promising signs for this drug and its upcoming potential approval is the fact that it re- received priority review. Now, what is, exactly does that mean? Why is that so important?
1: Typically speaking, when you have a drug in development coming through the works in the pipeline that addresses a condition that is you know, either an unmet need, if you will, the FDA will give you a perk. It will say, listen, we understand that you're developing something for a condition that there aren't a lot of effective therapies out there for. So what we'll do is we'll cut the amount of time that we spend in reviewing that application. In this case, they're reducing it to eight months from 12 months. So in reducing that time, giving it priority review, that theoretically allows the drug maker to get to the market more quickly and to capture, obviously, those additional months in sales, which for a billion-dollar drug can be pretty substantial.
0: Exactly. And you know, one of the things that has got people talking about this drug is that the phase three trials kind of produced mixed results. And there's already a drug developed by Allergan that's out there to treat this disease. But I think that the FDA giving this drug priority review is a really, really good sign for it. And so there's got to be something there that the agency is seeing that could revolutionize this treatment space.
1: Yeah. And, you know, again, that phase three trial does make it really interesting. And that's another reason why we want to be watching this as investors this month, because, you know, on the one hand, it improved the symptoms of dry eye. But on the other hand, key biomarkers that are used to evaluate dry eye didn't really improve. So there's a little bit of a disconnect on the efficacy side of this. However, on the safety side, it did appear fine. There were no, you know, Real serious adverse events that led to you know mass discontinuation of this drug. So I think what will probably happen is you know if I'm going to handicap this is that the FDA would probably say say okay we've got a safe drug, it's a condition that there aren't a lot of effective therapies for, and it works on the symptoms. Let's go ahead and approve it. Now there is the risk that they approve it conditionally, where they say okay we're going to approve it, but you need to conduct another study just to, to you know, resolve that discrepancy in, in the primary outcomes data. Um, if so, obviously that would dent the profitability of this drug for Shire because you know trials are never are, are inexpensive.
0: Exactly, and the other thing to keep in mind is that the 25th is a Sunday, so I'd say it's more likely than not that we'll actually hear an answer before then. So definitely keep your eyes peeled. peeled. This to be a really interesting catalyst for Shire. Um, As always, uh, people on the program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool could have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Do your research on Shire and Allergan and everyone else that we've mentioned today. And keep your eyes out for this FDA decision coming up sometime prior to or maybe even on October 25th. Todd, thanks as always for being here, and folks, thanks for joining us today.